transforming lives with the truth of Jesus. That is our vision. This is our goal in everything we do. Every decision we make. Every song we sing. In every campus we plant. Y todos los idiomas que hablamos. It isn't just a saying or a statement that we place on the wall. It is in our DNA. Our values are to connect to Jesus, to grow in the likeness of Jesus, and to multiply for the purpose of Jesus. This is how we achieve our vision here at Green Acres. Durante el último año hemos visto hacer a Dios cosas increíbles por medio de su iglesia. From camps to mission trips to new campuses to baptisms, this is just the beginning. This is not possible without a church body that's unified. Putting aside your personal preferences and desires creates an opportunity for God to move in fresh ways. The church is not just a building. We are the church. We are the church. Nosotros somos la iglesia. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. You are the church. And we together, this is what God has called us to, is transforming lives with the truth of Jesus. And this is happening all around you. You got to see evidence of it today at our Flint campus, which we want to welcome right now our Flint campus uh, because we are streaming to them uh, today. And so I need your help with something, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to say, hello, Flint campus. All right? Can you do that? Oh, man. (laughs) Flint campus, I'm sorry. Their heart's not in it today, okay? All right, one, two, three. Hello. Amen. All right, we are so glad. And listen, now we have another one. Because Espanol Campus is meeting today, right now. And so we want them to hear us. All right, so Flint Campus, you're going to join in on this. And right here at our Tyler Campus, we're going to say, let's go Espanol. All right, you ready? All right, one, two, three. Let's go Espanol. All right, I hope they heard that down in Crosswalk because uh, they are meeting. And even though they haven't officially launched, that's happening in two weeks, okay, on September 17th. Maybe three weeks. Who knows? I don't know what today is. It's fine. All right. But um, is that a Sunday? It's fine. We're moving on. Okay. They're launching in a couple weeks. That's all we need to know together. And it will be on a Sunday. Uh, But we're going to have a special time of prayer over them in the coming weeks. And here's what's incredible, because at our Flint campus, last year we celebrated, um, I think, nine baptisms. We also celebrated last year uh, that they had over 300 people for Easter, for their Easter service. And from there, uh, they added an additional service. So now they are meeting just like us at 930 for worship and 11 o'clock for worship. Um, And now, uh, right now, we are celebrating that they have gone over 300. No longer is that the marker, but right now they're averaging right at 300. I think it's 285 people every Sunday worshiping together just at our Flint campus, all right? And so, yes, that's a huge praise God. They have baptized, once again, we celebrated nine last year. They have baptized 31 people this year, all right? So huge praise God. And Espanol campus has not even launched, 
They're already baptizing people. They're already uh, 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 inviting people to join our church family because of what God is already doing. They've had hundreds and hundreds of people for their preview service, and they haven't even launched yet. And so I cannot wait to see what God does in a couple weeks and the years to come uh, through Espanol. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for uh, the way that you invest in the kingdom. Uh, because this is not about Green Acres. This is about the kingdom of God. Um, and we don't want to sell ourselves short. Because we know the race that God has put us in. It's not the Green Acres race, okay? Let's just be reminded of that. We have not entered into the Green Acres race. We have entered into the race that Paul talks about. We've entered into the race that we see the apostles and the disciples who have gone before us, brothers and sisters who have gone before us. We are entering into the race. We are in the race of Jesus Christ for his kingdom, for his name, and that is it. All right, that is it. Do you know that you're in a race? Have you realized the heaviness and the cost of the race? You know, so many times when we come to the Christian life, when we think of our life in Jesus, there's so many times we think of Jesus as a benefit rather than someone to worship. Have you ever thought of Jesus in this way? That you hope that you gain something from him, but not necessarily give your life to him? When we do this, we forget what our purpose really is. And we especially have absolutely no stability in our walk with Jesus. Stability is everything in life. In fact, I read a story this past week of a guy named Michael Plant. Okay, don't be confused with Michael Gossett. Michael Plant, okay, Plant is his name. He decided he was going to enter into a race on October 16th, I believe it was, October 16th of 1992. If you were not alive, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it, okay, because it makes me feel old, all right? But in 1992, he decided, I'm going to enter into this race. And Michael Plant is not new to the sailboat racing scene. In fact, Plant is a leading expert. He has great technology. He has an incredible vessel. In fact, he spent $650,000 on his new sailboat. But this race was worth it. This wasn't just in any ordinary race. This was a race of all races in the sailboat world. This was a race from New York to France. 24,000 miles, four months race across the Atlantic. The issue is that Michael Plant had every piece of technology needed. He had the right vessel. He had the coordinates. He knew exactly where he was headed, but he ran into an issue. Just a couple weeks into the race, a Russian freight liner heard the transmission of the radio from Michael Plant's vessel that said, I have lost all power, but it's okay. I'm working on the solution. Then he said, tell my fiance that I'm okay. That was actually the last communication that anyone ever had with Michael Plant. In the middle of the Atlantic, no power. 
They couldn't get him. They couldn't get in touch with him. And no one heard from him for 32 days. And on the 32nd day, there was another freight liner that came across a vessel that happened to be Michael Plant's sailboat that was completely upside down, keel up, just floating through the Atlantic aimlessly. As the keel was up, you could see the bottom of the boat, and it exposed the real problem that Plant faced. The ballast was completely torn off, so all of that weight that was on the sailboat that stabilized the sailboat was completely torn away, ripped away from Michael Plant's vessel. And therefore, the winds, the sea, toppled the vessel upside down. You see, this is not just a sailboat race that you and I think of as far as our life. But when we ascribe to the words of Paul that gives these warnings, he says that you must continue the good fight. You must continue in the race. It takes stability, but it also takes purpose. You see, if we have one or the other, it is still problematic. Because the truth is, without stability, you will lack the ability to stay in the race. But if you lack purpose, you will lack a desire to be in the race. We, as individual followers of Jesus Christ, must have a stable purpose. As a church, we must have a stable purpose. This is what keeps us planted. And when you think about the apostles, when you think about the first century disciples that were following Jesus, and they, they were a part of this incredible movement that you and I can look back on their lives and say, praise be to Jesus, that they did what they did, that God used them in this way because of what God did through them. You and I are gathering for worship today. Because of their obedience, because of their surrender in church, what would it look like? What would it look like that for generations to come that they would say, praise be to God for what he did through Green Acres because I know Jesus now because of them. I know Jesus because of what the Lord did through them. Listen, this requires faithfulness. This requires grit. This requires obedience. This requires a determination. And this is exactly what we see in the apostles in the life of the disciples in Acts chapter 1. When you look through the book of Acts, it bleeds tenacity. It bleeds determination that no matter what wave, what sea uh, monster comes, no matter what winds blow against us, no matter how uh, hard the rain falls, nothing is going to stop us. What if we had that kind of determination? Not just for school, not just for football not just for basketball, not just for my sport team, not for the promotion at work, not for anything other than because we have a stable purpose in Jesus Christ. 
And nothing is going to break me in that. You see, when you get to Acts chapter 1, verse 9, you read almost a list of heroes who have gone before us, these first century heroes. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you uh, to stand with me at our Flint campus, right here at our Tyler campus. If you will stand, if you're willing and able, we're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. If you got it, say got it. Thank you. Up top. It says this in verse 9. It says, after he had said this, being Jesus, he, Jesus, was taken up, the ascension, as they, the disciples, the apostles, were watching. And the cloud took him, being Jesus, out of their, the disciples' sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that by means that only you could accomplish, Father, would you please speak to us today? God, I pray that there would not be one word that is not from heaven. There would not be one word that is not from your spirit. That you would guide my words, God, that you would guide our listening so that it may be pleasing to you. God, I'm praying, Father, that because of what you are doing today, that we would be more obedient, more surrendered to you. God, would you let your spirit fall on us now? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated once again. Stability is everything. Without stability, you can't walk. Without stability, you can't even really speak accurately. Without stability, really, it interrupts every part of your life. And stability is not just required for life, but stability is required for your walk with Jesus, for the way that you pursue him, for the way that you dig into him, for the way that He's using you. It is all under this umbrella of having this stable purpose. You know, Paul says that we should be ready for this type of life. Because he says to Timothy, as he's raising Timothy up to be a leader, he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Timothy, come in line with this. 
But it's a fight, and it is a race, and it is daunting. It is difficult. It is tragic at times. And he says this in Philippians. He says, I press on as if someone is squeezing him in an olive press. He says, I press on. I dig in. It takes this type of determination. He says this in Hebrews 12. We read of the writer that says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, these, this is the warning of the New Testament because we have to keep in mind that there was something unique about those upper room disciples. The disciples that we read about in the upper room, these are the ones with determination. These are the ones with tenacity. These are the ones with grit, with the strength of God. They are the ones who have this stable purpose because they walk throughout that upper room. They leave from there, and God uses them to change the trajectory of humanity. Aside from Christ... It is this group of men and women that he says, I am setting you apart that you're going to be a part of something you can never imagine. Jesus tells them before his ascension, before verse 9, he says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, listen, you will be my witnesses. You are going to be my witnesses. And not just in Jerusalem, not Judea, not Samaria, not even just here in this region, but rather to the ends of the earth, you are going to be my witness. Why? Because I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper. And they took these words of Jesus, similar to what we read in the account of Matthew that we read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, therefore, he says, go and make disciples of Your nation, wherever you live. No, he says, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey or observe everything I have commanded you. He says, this is what you're going to be about. This is your only purpose. This is your only reason for living. This is your only reason that I have brought you out of slavery To be my people, this is the only reason that I have brought you out of being a slave to your sin, that now I have made you a slave to myself. He says, this is it. To make disciples of all nations, making my name known around the world. This is nothing new for the people of God. This has been the design from the very beginning. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, let us go and make man. Let us go and make them in our likeness. Okay, then it says in verse 27, it talks about being created in the image of God, both male and female. And then he says in verse 28, the Lord writes this to us in verse 28, he says, therefore, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Why? Because when we subdue the earth, we are subduing the image of God throughout the earth, throughout the nations, that we are replicating this image of God throughout the earth. 
And it's always been this way. Now, as you make disciples, what you're doing is you're not just creating a convert and hoping they join the club. No, you are transforming lives with the truth of Jesus, that there is a mark of transformation that brings someone from death to life spiritually. This is the way Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says that you were walking once dead. Like you were once dead spiritually in the ways that you walked, but now you are made alive to Christ because of the work of Christ. And this is what happens is that when we replicate, when you make disciples, when you multiply, guess what? You are subduing the earth with the image of God. It's been the design from the beginning. Our purpose has never changed. Why? Because God never changes. He endures forever. His purpose never changes and his purpose never fails. And this gives us stability because we know what we're supposed to do. And this is what this purpose really does for us is that we see that purpose stabilizes our priorities. Purpose stabilizes our priorities. Now, I want you to look at the top of your outline because there's something that you may think is weird, but I've been working on my art skills, okay? And I have supplied a house for you right there on the paper. Actually, I didn't. Our comms team did. I can't even claim this house, okay? But I want you to look at that house because when we think about our priorities, I want us to think about it in this way, because the upper room disciples, there was something unique about them, and I think it had everything to do with not only understanding their purpose, but the stability really came when they understood their priority for this purpose. So this is what I want you to see, okay? So if we were to uh, have this house, isn't that pretty? A little more encouragement would be nice every now and then. Okay, thank you. Okay, that was a little condescending. I'm going to take it, though, okay? All right, so we have this house. I'm just going to keep adding to it. It's fine. All right, and I want you to recognize the lower room versus the upper room. Some people call it the attic. We're going to call it the upper room today because I can't sketch very well, but We want to identify what is the difference between the lower room and the upper room. Like, how did these upper room disciples change the world, okay? So when you think of lower room disciples, this is how we need to think of it, because all of us are aware of it, okay? I'm making this worse as we go, all right? In the lower room, it's all the things that may bring you to church, but it's never going to keep you at church. I, I want to give you an example, all right? So you think about programs, all right? That's the first, write it wherever you can. Okay, that says programs. It doesn't look like it, but that's what it says. Programs. You think about programs. Okay, well, why did you go to this church? Why did you go to Green Acres? Well, they have a kid's choir. They have kid's praise. They have 
orchestra, they have adult choir, they have incredible connect groups, they have a men's ministry, they have a women's ministry, they have a prison ministry, they have this program, they have this program, okay, and the list goes on and on and on and on, okay? So maybe you are introduced to our church because one of these programs, totally fine. In fact, these programs are designed to connect people to the church. That's, there's nothing evil about that, nothing wrong with that. Maybe some of you came because of people, okay? That's our other one, okay? Maybe there are people that invited you to be a part, and so you're kind of like, okay, well, that's my people, I, I, like, I like hanging out with my friends there. I like being with my friends uh, in Connect Group. I like being with my friends at this gathering or whatever it is. People, that is your reason. Maybe some of you, uh, you gather at Green Acres because of personalities. What I mean by that is personalities that you see from the stage. Like, well, well, I like the preacher. Well, we have to put up with the preacher or whatever that may be, but we like the worship pastor or, or whatever that is, okay? You have different personalities. Every church you can identify by different personalities, okay? And so maybe that is what brought you uh, to the church. Or maybe um, it's because of the place. Like, it's close to my house. That church is close to me, so that's why I go there. Or maybe it's the place in the way that you recognize it that you say, well, that's where my grandparents used to go. That's where my parents go. That's the place that I've always gone. This is the place that I grew up. This is the place I just happened to fly by and I saw it on the corner and I just showed up. Whatever it is, here's the common denominator about all of the things that you find in the lower room. Can you see it? They all change. Every single one of the components of the lower room, they change. Without fail, like they, they have to change because life goes on. Your friends move away. Programs aren't um, the same as they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm still waiting for RAs to come back because that's what I like. But programs change. People change. The place even changes a little bit. Maybe not geographically, but the look of it. In order to stay with the times, we have to update things, and we have to build things, and we have to do all of these things. The place changes. Personalities change. I want you to think about the upper room disciples. What was it that they were attached to? Because everything changed for them. Jesus ascended. Uh, the programs are different. Where is Jesus? He's supposed to be feeding the 5,000 today. Where did he go? Where is Jesus? We could really use a cool miracle about right now so that we could impress this crowd over here. Everything changed for the disciples, but they were not attached to the program of Jesus. They were not attached to the, just the personality. They were not attached to just people because they're not attached to a place because Jesus says, no, 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 that's not going to be your place anymore. You think Jerusalem is it? No, brother, I'm sending you to the ends of the earth. All right, so everything is changing for these disciples, but what kept them? Well, there's one difference, and that is purpose. See, all of these things will always change, but the one thing that never 
will change for your life is here, purpose. You see, you have a purpose. God has given you a purpose. And so it doesn't matter what happens down here. Now, if there is heresy in the lower room, then burn it all down and start over. But, but listen, I'm talking about, listen, just because people, just because programs, just because uh, the place or personalities, just because these things change, listen, that doesn't matter. We should expect change. But what never changes for this church, what never changes for the people of God, what never changes for you individually as a family is this priority that Jesus is our purpose, that this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that should drive you, and this is the one thing amidst all the change, because guess what? In about 30 years, these upper room disciples are going to be facing the worst persecution the church has ever faced under the reign of Nero. He's going to be burning Christians alive. He's going to be uh, just for sport, just killing people if you follow Jesus. But what kept them? What kept him? Don't you want to be a disciple that says that I belong in the upper room with Jesus? Don't you want to be a disciple that says it doesn't matter what comes my way, that I am going to follow Jesus no matter what because he is my greatest priority, that he is the one that sustains me because he is the one that created me. It is only Jesus that gives us purpose, and this purpose gives us our priorities. Like he sets the tone. Whatever he says goes. This is our way of the church. Jesus says this, and Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek anything else. Your job is not your priority. Your family is not your top priority. Guess what? Green Acres Baptist Church is not your top priority. It is the kingdom of God that is your top priority. And all things will come under the umbrella of that. Because it, if you seek first the kingdom of God, it changes the way you, you seek after your wife. You seek after your spouse. It changes the way you parent. It changes the way you work at your workplace. It changes the way you do school. It changes the way you serve people because you're not about serving people just for fun. You're about seeking the kingdom of God. And if this is our priority, then it changes everything about us. Because everything on this left side, everything on the bottom right here, this is what the disciples understood, is that everything down here is temporal. You see, when we make the kingdom of God our priority, it causes our mindset to be moved from the temporal to the eternal. That's what happens. Our mindset moves from the temporal to the eternal. And I want you to remember that, that your priorities in Christ will always lead you. When you have a, your priorities set on Christ, it will always lead you to, from a temporal mindset to an eternal mindset. And this is what happens. It stabilizes our path. I want you to see this. Um, as soon as I find that pen, all right, I, I want you to see this. You have a staircase, right? And, and so many times we talk about this, we think about it, um, but the reality is, is that I want us to understand it completely. And if you think about this, all right, 
This is how we really get there. What is our path? What is our path to this, on this staircase to the upper room? Listen, this is what we want to do. We want to connect to Jesus and his church. We want to grow in the likeness of Jesus, and we want to multiply for the purpose of Jesus. Why? Because it's all going to this purpose. If we multiply for the purpose of Jesus, you cannot do that with grow, without growing in the likeness of Jesus. You cannot grow in the likeness of Jesus unless you are connecting to Jesus and his church. This is the design. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. All right, so if you have a pen, just write this down. Mark 1, 17, Jesus says, this as he's calling out the disciples. He says, come and follow me. Then he says, and I will make you become. And then he says, fishers of men. So I want you to think about this. This is exactly what Jesus does. From, oh, wrong thing. Okay, I'm good. All right, from the beginning. Did y'all see me swiping on that? It's fine. Jesus says, come and follow me. Connect. Jesus says, and I will make you become. Grow. Jesus says, fishers of men. Multiply. Everything that you do is for this reason. It is leading us to this person, to the top upper room. He says, this is what it is all about. He says, I want you to come and follow me, and I'm going to make you become fishers of men. And this is what ends up happening, is that you understand that your moment in Christ, your moment in Christ will always lead you into a movement with Christ. Do you see that this is what happens? Uh, this is our understanding of connect. Jesus says connect. All right, we come into the, the fold of Christ. We come into the church. But then he says, I will make you become, grow. All right, this little diamond is our understanding of growth. And then he says, but that's not the end, right? Then he says, multiply. I'll make you become fishers of men. And guess what? This is exactly what the model of Jesus was. If you look back at Luke uh, chapter 8, okay? Luke 8, verse 1. You will see one person. Jesus is teaching everybody. You go over to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Guess what? You see the 12 involved, okay? So we go from 1 to 12. And then you go over to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And guess how many you see? You see 72 people are now involved. And then you get to Acts chapter 1 where we are today. And what is happening? Now we have an 120. And so what you see is that every time that we connect with Jesus, this moment puts us in a place that is a movement for God, that everything that we do is not about you just being saved and connected to Jesus. And I hope you get plugged into the church. No, this is what it's about. It's about God assembling. He is putting together an army of believers that every time that you are saved, every time that someone is saved and you give your life to Jesus, he takes you from that point of salvation, that one moment in time, and he places you into a disciple.
disciple-making movement that God is doing around the world. And he says that all people, all nations, that this is the effect, is that everyone will come to know Jesus Christ if we become part of this movement. This is what God is calling us to as a people of God, not to just get saved and to soak in the pew, but rather to get saved and then get on with this movement that God is doing around the world. He says that I am calling all disciples. If you claim Jesus, you are a part of this movement of God. The question is, the question is, will you surrender to it? Like, will you surrender to what God is calling you to do, no matter what it takes, no matter the cost, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, that are you willing to be an upper room disciple because this is who Jesus is calling you, who is calling me to be, is an upper room disciple. One who is going to be used by God to change the world. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Who doesn't want to be a part of a movement that generations will, will remember? Listen, this is how revival begins. This is how revival breaks out, is that he gets a hold of one heart, one soul, who says that I'm going to do whatever it takes. Can you imagine? Here is 120 followers of Jesus who sold out to the kingdom of God and said, this is my priority. This is the path that I'm going to take. This is everything that I want to be about. They sell out to Jesus Christ, and he changes the trajectory of humanity for all time. What can he do, Green Acres, with 5,000 people who are sold out to Jesus Christ, with 5,000 people who say, I'm going to put my yes on the table of Jesus Christ. Listen, all he's waiting for is your yes. He's waiting for your surrender. He's waiting for us to just put the pedal to the metal and just say, God, I'm yours. Take my life. I surrender to you. I want to be that upper room disciple. I'm begging Jesus, God, would you make me that disciple? Would you make me that upper room disciple for me not to get caught up in the programs or, or the people or the personalities or the place, but I want to be caught up in one thing, and that is the purpose of God, because all people, all programs, all personalities, these things that we call Green Acres, it's built for one thing, and that is to point people to the purpose of Jesus Christ. It stabilizes our path. But I want you to see this. Purpose stabilizes our proximity. Now, I think one of the clearest moments in Scripture of being able to differentiate the difference between um, a, a lower room disciple and an upper room disciple. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 which means 20, 25,000 people are there. And Jesus takes some, just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. He multiplies it and feeds everybody. I mean, it's an incredible miracle. I mean, everyone is astonished. They're like, wow, this guy, this cat's pretty cool right here. I mean, this dude can, can make some bread. I mean, he can make fish. Like, it's crazy. 
Well, what's going to happen the next day for these people? Well, they're going to get hungry again. This is the cycle of our life. And so they come back. And they're like, hey, where's this, where's this Jesus guy? I mean, we got to get with him because we're starting to get hungry again. Hey, Jesus, can you kind of pray again and make the, make the loaf multiply, make the fish multiply? Do you mind doing that again? Because all the, we're all hungry again. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, unless you eat of my flesh, and unless you drink of my blood, you're not really my disciple. You're not really following me. And this was the moment. This was the moment that divided real disciples from the fake ones. This, this was a real moment because it says that the crowds, they left because they said this. They said, who can follow this? Who can even understand this? And so the crowds began to leave, and they just left Jesus. And then Jesus looks over to the disciples, and he looks at them. And he says, are you going to leave me too? Everybody else left. Are you going to leave me too? And Peter, of all people, he looks back at Jesus, and I want you to just kind of envision this moment as Jesus is asking, are you going to abandon me? And then Peter just looks at him, and he says to Jesus, he says, where? Like, where are we going to go? Simon answered, Lord, Lord, to whom will we go? He says, you have the words of life. You have the words of eternal life that we have come to believe in and that we have placed our faith in, that we have surrendered to Jesus. Where do you want us to go? And right here is where we need to understand the difference between an upper room and lower room. Someone who was dabbling in the things of Christ and someone who was sold out to the things of Christ. Because as soon as Jesus said that I am the bread of life, the, the crowd, they understood what was being said that Jesus is making a claim of deity and as soon as Jesus says I am God it is there is a difference here no longer is he the genie in the bottle that's going to provide everything for you that be a benefit to you but rather there is an ask there is a request there is a demand if Jesus is God if he is the eternal life if he is the bread of life then we must surrender to him you see that's the difference we think of Jesus so often in the lower room, and we think, God, what programs are you going to give me? What people are you going to give me? What personality are you going to give me? What place are you going to give me? We think, what are you going to do for me? It's as if we understand our relationship with Jesus, as if his job is to simply just add value to my life. Instead, if Jesus is the Lord of Lords, if he is the King of Kings, his job is to not just add value to your life. We come to an understanding that I have no value in my life apart from Jesus Christ. You see, this is where the real disciples got. That I don't care. Jesus, you know what? Don't give me bread anymore. Don't give me fish anymore. I just want you 
Can we come to that place, church, to where we can say we are upper room disciples pursuing the King of Kings, pursuing the Lord of Lords, and take everything away. Take our house, take our job, take our money, take our things that don't matter, our things that are just temporal, and God, just give me you. To whom will we go? Because only you, God, have the the words of life. Only you have the way to life. What else matters? You see, your proximity to Jesus is determined by your intimacy with Jesus. Not about what you can get from him. But Father, what are you asking me to surrender to you? Because you're the King of Kings. You're my Lord. You're in charge. And I want you to think about this because this is where Paul got. And he says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What would happen if we were more consumed with Jesus himself than being consumed by the things of the world, the things that are temporary, what would happen? You know what? We would go from a moment in time into a movement into history. And this is what the Lord is calling us to. Not for you to have a moment Not for us to just celebrate what God has done in the past once a year, but he is asking us, inviting us to be a part of a movement that only he himself can empower by his spirit. And he says that I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through this people. And it requires us to just simply surrender. But some of you are not even in the house. Can we just be honest for a second? Some of you are not even in the house because you've been so, so caught up in, in change or, or what programs we don't have or, or what personalities have changed or the place looks different. And guess what? You have stepped outside the house and you have removed yourself from the purpose of God. Today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of calling his people together. Because there is not a program in the world or a personality in the world that is going to unite us. It is only the purpose of Jesus Christ. And everything else, guess what? You can have. I just want the purpose of Jesus. I want Jesus himself. Some of you have been hanging out in the lower room for far too long. And today is the day of surrender. For salvation, you've heard the voice of God. You have ignored the voice of God over and over and over again in your life. Today, that all ends. Jesus is calling you for salvation. He is calling you to repentance. And today is the day of salvation for your life. Will you hear and heed to the voice of God? Maybe some of you need to be baptized And you don't want to delay any longer. Sign up today. 
In fact, we will baptize you today before you leave. You can join the other 15, 16 people that have been baptized today at our church. That we'll make it happen. Some of you just need to join this church body and say, hey, it is time for me to jump all in with the purpose of God. Whatever it is, God is calling you. Will you heed his voice? Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Father, who you alone are ruler over all things, you're ruler over our lives. You alone demand our worship. God, you alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy of our praise. And God, you alone are worthy of our lives. And so, Father, we submit to you. We surrender to you today. And, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, that for the person who has never given their life to you, Jesus, you would make it so clear right now that you're calling them. God, for the purpose for the purpose that you have called us to, for the purpose of your son, Jesus. God, for those who have never walked in obedience and baptism, Father, that they would take that step of faith today. Whatever it is, God. Those who need to unite and join our church family, Father, we are asking, Lord, that you would just speak. Father, we thank you for the way that you are using our church. We thank you for the way that you're using churches across East Texas. Father, we ask you today, Father, to empower them, help them to be bold and courageous. God, that we may unite together for this movement that you're calling us to. Father, we will never stop praying until we see revival, until you call us home. And Father, we're asking that today would be that day that you would stir in our hearts so much that we can't ignore you, but God, we can only submit to you. And Father, we are asking in the name of Jesus that you would usher down heaven and that revival would break out today. Start in my life. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we want to help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, Maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we want to come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the Connect card at gabc.org, and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, We want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.